0: Do you die a little inside when you hear the words performance improvement? Or worse yet, performance review? (laughs) Well, I hope not. I think we all know performance improvement matters, even if we don't like thinking about it. Well, today I hope to make it all a little bit more palatable. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Well, performance improvement, right? It is that time of year where we're thinking about performance improvement. We're doing performance reviews. Ugh, maybe you're doing performance reviews. I don't know. There's some mixed research on performance reviews, but um I'm going to save that for another day, maybe. Um, but today I want to talk about performance improvement and why good enough isn't good enough anymore. You know, like if we are not getting serious about performance improvement, right, we're probably not going to be in business very long because um, you've got to be paying attention to Constantly improving and getting better, and hopefully, you want to be getting better because you know you want to serve more people, you want to um, create better products, um, and it's just the right thing to do. So, um, whether that is coming from intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation, we hope that um, improvement. Um, performance improvement matters. So um, we are going to focus on that today. And with today's podcast, I also have a really Good um, resource for you all about performance improvement to really help you dial this in. And I hope that you can use it as a resource as you move into the new year as well. And so as we get to the bottom of the podcast, I will give you um, the information for how you can access that resource. So I hope it can be useful for you as you move forward and um, really strengthen your confidence to lead as you pursue what matters. And of course, every week with the podcast, that's my goal, is to help you strengthen your confidence to lead. And I try to do that in one of three areas, either um, clarity to lead, um, curiosity to lead, and um, leading a community. And this week in particular... I really want to help you strengthen your confidence to lead as you lead a community. And, you know, that's what we're really focusing on with performance improvement. It's all about improving your teams and improving your organization and doing what works and focusing really focusing on what matters and letting go of the rest. Um, And that, you know, that is actually pretty good advice when it comes to marriage. That's pretty good advice when it comes to parenting and certainly when it comes to our work. So that's what we're going to pay attention to today. Okay, so when we think about performance improvement, end of year performance reviews, and KPI, right, the key performance indicators, we all know they're important, but they can really make your eyes glaze over and make you wish you had a pencil to stab out your eyes. Um, Please don't do that. (laughs) Um, But we ignore performance improvement at our own. Peril. So today I want to convince you if you don't if you're not already convinced maybe you're already convinced um, that performance improvement doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be something you or your team avoids but it can actually be something really valuable and helpful to your organization and of course it really really matters. It's not enough to be good enough. Um, if you want to compete and thrive in the new economy you've got to get better and better. So this is a quote from William Foster. Quality is never an accident. It is Always the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives. I really like that quote. I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. Quality is never an accident. So, of course, you've got to push yourself and your organization to get better and more, right? Like, I believe you owe it to yourself, those you lead and the customers and clients you serve. So um, you need to bring your best work to bear every day. And that means you've got to pay attention to process improvement. So today I really want to focus on three principles of process improvement to really help you focus on. Because when it comes to process improvement, I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed um, and, to just throw in the towel. And obviously we don't want that happening to you. So today we're just gonna focus on three principles and you know they're big enough for sure, Um, but let's just focus in on three principles. So I'm gonna name them first just so you have them in mind and then we will do a deep dive into each of them. So principle one is identify the standard. Principle two is measure according to the standard. And principle three is provide feedback. So those are the three principles that we are going to be focusing on. So three principles of process improvement. Okay, so let's start with principle one, identify the standard. Um, And with principle one, we are going to focus on three steps. Okay, so as a reminder, I've got a really great resource with this podcast. So all of these principles and all of these steps are covered in the resource. So you don't have to take notes. um, If you are so inclined, because you can just download um, the resource and um, all of this will be covered um, on the resource. So um, just as a reminder. So principle one, identify the standard. Step one, so the first thing you wanna pay attention to, what is the goal or the standard that you are aiming for? So if you don't know what your goal or your standard is, how will you know if you reach it? And of course, how will you know if you are improving? And so here we want to utilize the concept of first principles. And this comes to us from Ozan Veral. And he talks about this in his book, Think Like a Rocket Scientist. I will um, link to this book in my show notes. This is a really, really great book. I have found it so useful. So Think Like a Rocket Scientist. So when we think about first principles, so this is the idea that in order to progress or improve, we must first go back to the beginning. So really we wanna think about going back to basics. And in his book, Veral talks about Elon Musk and um, when he decided he wanted to colonize space um, and is a really fascinating story um, of, you know, Musk, you know, first of all, like he was flying to Russia and he was trying to negotiate um, with the Russians on, you know, buying rockets, and how incredibly um, expensive it would have been to buy a rocket. And, you know, he was running the numbers, and it was just like, it was prohibitively expensive. And I think it was on the flight back from Russia, he went back to first principles, right, which is this idea of going back to the beginning, and just like, looking at the the basics of what do I actually need to get to space and then asking the question of like can can we can we build this ourselves and so he actually on that flight he used a spreadsheet and he just started pricing out parts for a rocket right now Elon Musk is brilliant um so he priced out a rocket and figured out that he and his company could actually build it for a fraction of The cost and some examples of how they have built it. So, first of all, you know, like NASA um, builds rockets um, vertically, right? Which requires this, you know, building a skyscraper to house it. And one of the things that Musk's company has done is they um, build their rocket. Um, horizontally because then they can buy um, or build an existing warehouse, which of course is much cheaper than building a skyscraper to house a rocket. Um, That's one small example. Um, Another example is for harnesses within their rocket, they used, um, they bought Harnesses from I think it was e- either NASCAR or um, some other racing. So I don't know if it was Formula One or NASCAR, but one of um, one of the, one of the um, racing organizations because they were um, very well tested and um, they already existed and it would have saved Musk a ton of money in you know the process of designing harnesses for their rocket and then for some of the handles on the rocket they um i think they bought handles like from um from like a a home goods store um uh, because like they just needed something very simple and so you know the point that viral made with reasoning from first principles is really um getting back to discovering the way things um, have always been may not be the best way for you to do them. So first principles means identifying the invisible rules that hold you back. It's being willing to risk your significance by changing your mind, thinking like your competition about how to put yourself out of business and settling on the simplest solution to your problem and then Acting on it. And so um, his example of Elon Musk was um, really fascinating. And there were people initially who uh, Musk tried to talk to in terms of, um, you know, getting help on building the rocket. Um, One story in particular, um, a gentleman he tried to talk to that, that Musk wanted to fly to his house, and the guy did not want. He didn't want Musk knowing where he lived because he's like, this guy might be totally crazy. And so instead they met at um, at an airport lounge in in Salt Lake City and ended up actually working together. Um, but, you know, Musk was willing to risk his significance um, with you know, by thinking differently. And now if, if we think about his company, um, SpaceX, I think, I think that's his company. Sorry. I'm my, my, um, husband would not be happy with me because he, um, follows all of these launches religiously. And so, um, and, and I follow them just, um, not quite religiously, but he would not be, he would be scolding me right now that I am not quite certain of the name of Elon Musk company. But anyway, um, he has been so successful. Um, and of course, there have been a lot of challenges along the way. But um, first principles is this idea that you're willing to get back to basics and rethink everything and really looking at the simplest solution. And so it's identifying the standard. What is the goal? What are you aiming for? And asking the question, if we were starting from scratch, what would we do? So it's a fresh perspective on your system, your process, and your organization. So some of the questions, is there a better way to do something? So be willing to challenge convention and especially the ways you've done things. And so it's a reset from the status quo, a new way of looking at the world, your business, and your project. So the status quo, this is for this is from Viral from his book. So the status quo is a super magnet. People are biased against the way things could be and find comfort in the way things are. So isn't that true? The, the status quo is a super magnet. So it becomes um, comfortable for us to stick with the status quo, but that's not how we grow. That's not how we improve. And so we really need to resist that pull. Um, The other thing is to not set our sights too low because what might happen? We might just fly into the ground. Um, So are there some accepted practices or processes in your industry that you need to question, but you haven't? So if you could change one thing about the way your business is run, what would it be? So I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. And that might be a really good reflection for you at the end of this year, you know, to really take some time um, before you prepare for some vision planning, which I would totally encourage you to do. And I might just have a podcast coming up about that, um, but that you take some time and really reflect on, you know, what if, if you could do something If you could change one thing, what would it be? What are the barriers to this change? What is your biggest pain point at work currently? And do you see a solution? Um, So I think that that can be really very helpful um, because it just expands your horizon. It expands your perspective. Um, And so that is um, step one. What is the goal or the standard that you are aiming for? And we want to help you reason from first principles. And then step two of principle one is um, that we want to help you identify patterns. So what is working and for whom, and what is not working, and for whom. So I want you to consider answers according to your team members, your organization, your clients, your potential clients, and other stakeholders um, that you may have. Um, And then the next question is, are you getting the results you want? And if not, right, like what is getting in the way? And what do you understand about the barriers to your desired results. And um, so, have some of your processes become ruts that your team or your organization gets stuck in, because that can often happen. Like, we just do the same things because we've kind of always done them that way, and our processes become ruts that we get stuck in. And that can be really problematic. And then third, so this is step three of principle one, and that is learn from outliers. Um, So, right, like from from statistics, we always want to pay attention to our outliers um, in the system because they have a lot to teach us. So pay attention to outliers in your system. So either processes or people right? So either can be an outlier um, that fall outside of your norms. So what can you learn from your outliers? What is different? Maybe they're more effective, maybe they're less effective. Either way, they have something to teach you. Um, And so we really want to be very curious about what is going on with outliers. Um, And, you know, with this, we recognize that Um, change culture happens from the top right I mean we got to lead from the front and establishing the standard and shifting a standard must happen um, from the top so you know check out my podcast next week where I will be covering this topic in depth so I won't say more about that here Okay, so now we wanna move on to principle two of process improvement. And principle two is measure according to the standard. And so with principle two, we have three steps again, okay? So step one is to identify your metrics. So this is from James Harrington. He said, measurement is the first step that leads to control and eventually to improvement. So if you can't measure something, you can't understand it. If you can't understand it, you can't control it. If you can't control it, you can't improve it. Okay, so we've got to be able to measure according to the standard. Um, And so with that, what I would say is measure only what is absolutely necessary. Um, We live in a world where (laughs) we are inundated with metrics. Um, And so my recommendation to you is decide what you absolutely must measure and then measure the hell out of it. Um, But this is a situation where less is more when you have more metrics whether at the organizational level or the individual level they they will lose their value and their meaning so you've got to resist the urge to measure everything. So you also this related to this is bracket creep, resist bracket creep. Just because you can measure it doesn't mean you should. And like I said, like we live in a data rich world where, you know, it's it's kind of possible to almost measure everything, but it's just too much static and too much noise. In the system, because um, as humans, we can only pay attention to a few things at any one time, and when you have, for instance, too many KPIs, so key performance indicators, um, you start to undermine the effectiveness of your system. So you you really have got to resist the tendency of measuring too much and um, having too many metrics for your people to be paying attention to. So of course, Steve Jobs was famous for his hyperfocus. And um, I've got a, I think it's a really interesting story that is related to product development, but I think it also applies to process improvement. So I wanted to share it. So when he returned to Apple in 97, um, it you know, Apple was producing a random (laughs) a random um, smattering of computers and um, other products, including like 12 different types of uh, Macintosh. And so after a few weeks of product review sessions, he like Jobs like freaked out. He had just had enough. And so in one of these meetings, he just screamed stop. And he said, this is crazy. So he grabbed a magic marker and he patted in his bare feet to the whiteboard and he drew a two by two grid. And this is what he said. He said, here's what we need. And atop the two columns, he wrote consumer and pro, right? So for a professional. And he labeled the two rows desktop and portable. And he said their job, so this was to the team members, was to focus on four great products, um, one for each quadrant. All other products should be canceled. And they said that in that meeting, there was a stunned silence. But by getting Apple to focus on just making four computers, only four computers, he actually saved the company. And of course, one of his most famous quotes is um, deciding what not to do is as important as deciding what to do. Um, that's true for companies and it's true for products. So I would just say, right, deciding what not to measure is as important as deciding what to measure, um, because, you know, at a, after a certain point, it all becomes static and noise in the system and it will become a drag on the system and it will make it will make your system, it will make um, your team members less um, effective And it will undermine process improvement. Um, So you you really got to pay attention to that. Um, And, you know, jobs was also just... So well known for his hyper focus. And so, one of the things that he would do, he would have um, his top 100 people that he would take to a retreat every single year. And on the last day of that retreat, he would stand in front of the whiteboard, right? Like he really liked his whiteboards. And he would come up with a you know, what are the 10 things we should do next year? And people would really fight to get their suggestions on the list because, right, that was a big deal. So they would they would come up with their list of 10 things. Um, and, right, like they started with a lot more than 10, but they it was like a harsh process. Um, but once they got to their list of 10, um, jobs would then slash the bottom seven, and then he would announce, we can only do three. Um, so he was really, really harsh about that. And so um, when you think like, no, we've got to measure this, we got to do this, we got to do that, like, you got to discipline yourself. And so these stories come from um, a Harvard Business Review article, which of course, I will link to. Um, but I think those are good examples of you know, less is more. And when it comes to process improvement, like focus on what matters. Measure the heck out of it, um, but don't don't try and do too much. Um, And then let's move on to step two of principle two, which is ensure you are measuring what you want and need to measure. So make sure you're measuring the right thing. Um, So right here, I want to talk about the difference between reliability and validity um, because they're not the same thing. And a lot of times we get them wrong and it's it's at our own peril So, a measure is reliable when it consistently measures something over time. But here's the thing you need to know about reliability a measure can be reliably wrong. So, you might be getting consistent results over time, but those results are not accurate. So, you know, when someone says this measure is reliable, well, that might not necessarily be a great. Thing. So you're getting consistent results but it can be inaccurate. So it meaning it's not measuring what it's designed to measure. Um, so then let's talk about validity. So a measure is valid if it measures what it is actually designed to measure. So if a test or a measure is is considered valid, it is also usually almost always, also considered reliable. So the um, measure of validity is a higher standard than reliability. They're independent of one another, but if you have a measure that is valid, it is usually considered reliable. So I want you to pay attention to that when You are thinking about process improvement and when you're thinking about KPIs, because when it comes to KPIs, it's really, really important that they are not just reliable, but they're also valid. You want to be able to consistently and accurately measure um, the KPI in order for it to be effective, right? You want to know that you're measuring what you set out to measure, So what are the key performance indicators for the various roles? Depending on the size of your organization, this can be a really big question. And maybe, you know, these are already well-established. And what I would say is that this doesn't let you off the hook. So, do your due diligence and review your KPIs with your team leads and your managers and make sure that your existing KPIs actually make sense. Because a lot of times they just don't make sense. Um, sometimes because people kind of cut corners, because, you know, newsflash, people don't really like KPIs. Um, And so they cut corners on them. Um, And so, you know, make sure you do your due diligence and make it a collaborative effort. So do it with the employee. Um, Team leads and team members should do these together so that they make sense. Okay, and then step three of principle two is I want to talk about the five characteristics of effective KPIs. And this comes from um, a really great article that I will also link to in the show notes. Um, So, you know, of course, what what you um, decide to measure depends on the specific roles and the nature of your business, you know, obviously, but um, effective KPIs should meet five characteristics. So I'm just going to review these characteristics um, and hopefully that can be helpful for you. And of course, I cover all of these in um, the resource that goes along with this um, podcast. So I hope you will take the time and download the resource um, and hopefully that can be helpful for you. So the first characteristic is that it's simple. A KPI, so this is from, this is a quote from Jay um, Liebowitz, who is a business analytics expert. So he says um, that a KPI should be simple, straightforward, and easy to measure. Amen. I totally agree with that. So he says that an effective KPI is one that prompts decisions, not additional questions. Um, So, Is the KPI simple? Does it make sense? Does it make intuitive sense? So he said, for example, how many customers did we add this quarter, right? That's super clear. That's super simple. So can you find the information quickly and easily? Does it make sense? Is it intuitive? So, or does it require an advanced degree to decipher? (laughs) If so, you should probably steer clear of it. Um, So the first characteristic is it's simple. Um, The second characteristic is it's relevant, Um, right? Your KPI must be relevant to your strategic priorities. So if you don't know your vision, your mission, or your strategic priorities, then you got to go back to go, Right. Do do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Like you've you got to go back to the start and figure out um, what your strategic priorities are. Um, So your KPIs must be relevant to your priorities. Um, And then the third characteristic is your KPI must be aligned. So KPIs are an outgrowth of your strategic vision, mission, and strategic priorities, right? So they should be directly connected to all of those things. And if they aren't, you got to reconsider them. So when you look at the KPIs, can you see how they are bridged to your vision and your mission, and your strategic priorities. You should be able to make that link very easily. Um, and of course, you don't want your KPIs to undermine your strategic vision or to be at cross-purposes with other divisions. And so, of course, this is where you want to be very aware of your reward system. So, you know, check out my recent podcast on rewards. I just did that very recently. Um, I will link to it in the show notes because, of course, you don't want to be um, looking to reward one thing and recognizing that you're actually rewarding something else. Um, but KPIs must support the overall strategy. Of the organization. And then the fourth characteristic of an effective KPI is that it's actionable for sure. I mean, a KPI is all about action, it's the behaviors. So, why do KPIs exist? They're not. So, managers have something to talk about during end of year performance review. So, you know, this is where you would have permission to gouge your eyes out if you were so inclined. I mean, don't do that for sure, don't do that. But um, that's not what KPIs are all about. They, What's the purpose, right? They should drive action toward the strategic vision. They should help team members see how to take effective action toward a goal. So um, the other thing about KPIs is, you know, we want to have realistic goals that don't set teams up to fail or result in demotivation, right? So we want to have we want to have targets that really um, fit with the strategic vision, but we want them to be realistic as well. Okay, and then the fifth characteristic of an effective KPI is that they are measurable. And of course, this one's also really important because how do you track progress if they're not measurable? So you've got a specific focused outcome. And here's the thing about KPIs. It is okay to include both qualitative and quantitative measures and outcomes. I think sometimes where people get a little bit... um, tripped up is they believe that KPIs should only be quantitative. And I think that's actually not very realistic. Um, and so including both qualitative and quantitative measures and outcomes is very appropriate. Um, and you know, there are great ways to do that. So those are the five characteristics. I will just review those really quickly. So simple, relevant, aligned, actionable, and measurable. And of course, I will cover all of those um, in in, um, my resource that goes along with this podcast. Okay, are we ready for the third principle of process improvement? So as a review, the first principle of process improvement is identify the standard. The second principle is measure according to the standard. And then the third principle, which we will cover right now, is provide feedback. Um, And of course, there are three steps here with providing feedback. Um, So step one is provide feedback that is specific. That's so important. So a good KPI will help team members take action in their roles. And then from there, make sure your feedback is specific. So what do team members need to know in order to be successful in their roles? So do they understand what the KPIs mean for them in their role? Like you'll you'll be surprised. Like sometimes they don't really know exactly what that means. And so be willing to clarify and make sure um, that they know, like it might be crystal clear to you, but not to them. So, when in doubt, over communicate. Um, you may wrongly assume that team members know what the KPI is and why it matters. And you may be wrong. So, um, you might need to revisit the simplicity characteristic above. Um, so, it, it, you know, like if, especially if you came up with it you're like, this is so clear. This is awesome. And you might be wrong. Um, Okay. And then step two, provide feedback that is actionable. So provide feedback that team members can take immediate action on. What can they do to improve? What would that look like? How is the feedback directly related to the KPI? If not... Why not, right? Like if that feedback's not related to the key KPI, why not? What does improvement look like? Paint them a picture. Help them understand what improvement will look like. Um, clarify the concern or the gap as needed. And then the third step, provide feedback that is timely. So linking feedback in time to the behaviors is always the most effective approach if you're actually interested in seeing behavior change. So saving feedback for end-of-year reviews is almost completely pointless. So these performance reviews at the end of the year, um, if that's the only time or the main time that you are giving feedback it is a waste of time. Um, you've got to give you've got to link feedback in time to the behaviors. So if feedback is to be effective, it must be timely so that team members can act on it and integrate the learning. Like that's the main thing. Like they've got to be able to integrate the learning. So if it's given long after the incident, there is going to be really low motivation or even connection to the change. So the chances of them integrating that learning um, is very, very low. So again, with the third principle, provide feedback, we want, there are three steps. We want to provide feedback that is specific, actionable, and timely and that's so important when it comes to process improvement because how can people change and improve if they don't have the feedback they need in order to improve and how can there be process improvement if um there's not that feedback so um don't forget i have a really great resource that um that spells out all of these principles in detail and really gives you some some very good um, reflection um, questions to help you as you consider your process improvement um, in your organization. And I think this actually is a really good um, process for you to go to go through as you prepare for vision planning for the next year. So that's what I would recommend um, as a way of kind of preparing yourself for the new year. So I hope that you will consider um, downloading um, this resource. And so the way that you can do that is by heading on over to my website um, and you can check out the show notes and then, of course, um, access at the, the resource there at W www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 83. One more time. That's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 83. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember love and work, work and love. That's all there is until next time. Take good care.